out there. Uh, but that comes from, that's nurtured and begins uh, in a very close way. And we're going to see that today and how the Holy Spirit uh, d- does that. So here's our action point. When we walk out together and we have a cookout and then we live this week, this week, let's unleash the love of Jesus by living out his presence in us through the practice of spiritual graces. And we're going to talk about those spiritual graces and look at what some of those are and the representations of those that uh, Scripture gives us. Now, I know this is a big week. Uh, some of you are off work this week because it's July 4th. That's uh, Thursday. Is that right? All right, so two days after you've done all your grilling and you've had hot dogs and apple pie and you've done fireworks and everything, there are a couple of other days. It's going to, events that are going to happen on one day. There's a big day. It's pretty significant. It's lesser known than Independence Day. However, I want you to know about it. One is that it is J.O. Gates's 98th birthday this Saturday, July 6th. Amen. One of our national treasures. Saturday, July 6th, is also International Kissing Day. And, uh, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, they're, they're like, yeah, down here on the front. All right. I don't know if J.O. Gates' birthday and National Kissing Day, if there's any connection there. I don't know. I, I'm not saying that or implying it. I'm just saying that's an odd coincidence, and I'm going to check into it, and I'll get back to you. Advocates for this holiday, it's a big holiday, and I'm glad you guys are so happy, and you're so ready to celebrate. Um, I didn't expect that. Okay, advocates point out the benefits. There are benefits to kissing, okay? What other church can you go to and talk about kissing? Kissing burns six calories a minute. That's pretty good. It's not as good as East Coast swing dancing, but it's pretty good. Six calories a minute. That means if you kiss for two hours, oh, don't act like, yeah, then you can have a piece of chocolate, okay? Two hours, you get a piece of chocolate. Um, kissing, are you taking no- He's taking notes. He's like, what? Kissing increases saliva production, which can lead to a healthier mouth. I don't know if that's gross or if it's, it's a good thing. Kissing can build up immunity because of the interaction of bacteria in the mouth. These are true. Kissing relieves stress. And then my personal favorite, kissing can relieve allergy symptoms. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, I... Tell your doctor. So anyway, this whole thing got me curious. Why do people kiss? What, that is kind of just a weird thing. I mean, you know, where did that get started? Uh, is it a biblical? I need to know. I'm Southern. I, is it a biblical thing? You know, is it something conservatives can do? All right. Nobody seems to understand or know where it got started or how it got started. The whole kissing thing, you know, who invented that? I mean, did something, you know, uh, come here. I, I got an idea. Come, you know, I know who... The early references I could find in the Old Testament, Genesis 27, 26, the first kiss uh, that I could find in the Bible is when Jacob deceives his father to obtain the blessing. Do you remember that story? And within the context of that, he said, 
And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. So the first kiss in the Bible was from a son to a father. Now the kiss you're interested in was in Genesis 29, 11. That's the first kiss between a man and a woman uh, that I could find in the Bible. It's when Jacob flees from Esau. He goes to the house of his uncle Laban, and Scripture says, your Bible says, and Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. So why is that relevant? Well, mostly it's just to keep the attention of these sleepy guys in the front. But it's also relevant because all through the Scripture, in the Old Testament, and especially, especially in the New Testament, the Bible has a lot to say about personal relationships and about this affection that the Lord has for us and how He, how he cares for us in such sweet ways, in such personal ways, and how we love each other. So that's all throughout Scripture. And today's reading urges us to practice certain behaviors. And I thought it'd just be fun to kind of wrap that up in the idea of like, there are these metaphorical, these symbolic kisses from the Holy Spirit. How does God show affection? And how do we, in turn, do that to the world? Because if you go around just kissing everybody, you're going to get in trouble. (laughs) People are going to misunderstand. And in America, we're a little more shy about kissing. We just had a family from Guatemala in our home. And those of you who've been with us to Latin America or to Eastern Europe, when we went there, first time a bearded man ever kissed me. And I I won't tell the story today. But... um, but it's just more common, you know, you kiss the air beside someone's cheek or just, they're just a, a, a lot more used to that. It's just a very natural thing. Uh, so for some of us, it's a very natural thing to know the affection and the love of the Lord in a very personal way. For some, it's a very distant, it's a very stoic kind of relationship. We're going to kind of break through that today. Let's look at our reading. It's in um, Galatians chapter 5. And I'm just going to jump through this chapter so we don't have uh, too many verses, but I want you to get the the big idea, the the, the big thing here. Verse 1 of chapter 5 says, For freedom. Why are you saved? Why did Jesus do all this? Why did he go to the cross? Why did he die? Why is he resurrected? For freedom. How appropriate today we would talk about this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore... And do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now drop down to verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15. But if you bite... And devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now look at verse 22. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, the actions that are itemized in this list, uh, you know, we kind of, you popular, if you grew up in church, you probably saw them on a flannel graph or on a PowerPoint somewhere, and that's called the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and, and you're maybe used to that. And it's instrumental in how this fruit bonds people together. Okay, Th- these are the things, the attributes, the characteristics that should be normal uh, about our lives and who we are as people. Now, the Apostle Paul uses the image of fruit uh, to characterize, and he uses these nine virtuous qualities, and he speaks to that. Now, this behavior uh, that comes before this, because Paul notices, you know, and he, he makes, he, makes he says, you know, there are those who are living in impurity, and they say they've been set free, and we don't know about, you know, but they're given to friction, and jealousy, and anger, and quarrels, and dissensions, and, and more. He said, that's not godly. That's not attractive behavior. It's bullying, it's aggressive, it's unattractive, it's unkind, it's unwelcome behavior. And Paul goes on, he says here, he says, this has nothing to do with the kingdom of God or the Holy Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit uh, active in you. Now, I want you to see, because there is a difference between what I do in my flesh and what I do out of my spirit. And we've, we've tried to refer back and forth to that a lot during this series. So today we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Next week we're going to talk about the gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then the week after that, we're going to wrap up this series. I'm going to close it. But what I want to do is help us understand how to appropriate this. Everything we've learned... And I've talked to brand new Christians, and I've talked to some of you who've been Christians for years, and you've said, I have learned things about the Holy Spirit I never knew before. We want to learn all these things, not just to know them, because that'll just produce self-righteousness, but how do we apply that? What's the big deal? Where are we going with this? Well, week after next, I'm going to share with you how the Holy Spirit can be made active and alive and personal and vibrant in your life for the rest of your life. So we'll talk about that. But in, in this situation, I want you to see, uh, go back to John chapter 3, because I want you to see this distinction. I think it's really important uh, that we understand the difference between the flesh and the spirit. And John 3 is kind of a famous chapter. You know, there's a lot of quotable verses. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus or disconnected from a church environment, you probably know like John 3.16, you know some of these concepts. Well, there's this conversation that's, that's going back and forth between Jesus and a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. And in verse 6, um, and, and it's a little mysterious, Nicodemus is like, I'm kind of confused about this whole thing. But Jesus is trying to explain how organic and how beautiful this relationship is. So in verse 6, he says, Nick... Try to understand that that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He said, don't marvel. Don't wonder like, ah, this is so, this is so out there for me. I can't understand. He said, don't marvel that I said to you a moment ago that you must be born again. 
because you've got to start in a different place. And once you're born, you, you know what? You, you can't change. I mean, you can change a lot of attributes or things, characteristics about yourself as you grow. But the moment you're born, you're not going to ever be any more you than you were the moment you were born. <laughs> that's when you started being you, and you're you. And that's who you're going to be uh, for the rest of your life. Now, when you're in your flesh, you produce like out of your flesh. But when you're in the Spirit, you produce and you live out of the spirit now this is a bowl of fruit and and you know you you see uh here's a, a apple and you've got pear and you've got peach i'm not sure what this is i'm going to call it a plum it's a really big one if it is and you've got orange and you've got grapes and you you've got lime and you recognize all of this and they would say okay that's a bowl of fruit that's a, that's a bowl of fruit and uh, and from each of these has come you know, or from a tree of some kind, you know, a pear tree or an apple tree uh, or orange tree, this fruit came. And, and everybody gets that. There's so many concepts that we just easily accept in the physical realm. And we never question it. You know, you're driving through central Florida and look over and, oh, there's, you know, there's a lime orchard. There's, there's uh, orange trees, as far as you can see, or apple trees. Uh, growing up, my neighbor used to have two big pear trees, and they would just produce these big, delicious pears, and he wouldn't let us eat them. And so we'd climb the fence when we thought he wasn't looking, and we'd go over there and eat his pears. And we'd, we could eat the ones off the ground, but he was so selfish he would not let us even have the ones that are on the ground. So it just became a, a rebellious kind of game with us to jump that fence and go over and grab his pears and we'd pull our t-shirts up and we'd have them in them in the, in the shirt, which was hard to get back over the fence with those. And he would come out on his porch and he'd yell, you boys leave my pears alone. And he would yell at us and oh, we knew he couldn't get to us. You know, he was probably 40, 50 years old, just an old causer, you know. So we would just run, and we'd go in my backyard, and we'd eat those pears. One day, he comes out on the back porch with a shotgun. And I think, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be on the news. <laughs> you know, boy gets shot e eating pears. You know, I just think, that's not something worth dying over. So we, we quit stealing his pears. But, you know, you could reckon, you know, that's what comes from, you know, that, that tree. And we accept that. Okay. Make this jump with me because the same thing is true in the spiritual realm, okay? The things that come out of your life that are spiritual are born with the Spirit. And it's because you are born again. Your identity has been changed. Paul said, you're a new creation. You're somebody different now. And you're always going to be connected to that. And just like I can't say, well, you know what? I didn't ask to be born. Have you ever said that to your parents or heard that? And you think, well, I'm going to get back in the womb. I'm just, I'll take control of my, you're never going to be unborn. Okay. You can't, you can't do that. And you can't be spiritually unborn. But you can go forward because now you're a spiritual person. You're something different. And now you can produce fruit that you never dreamed you would be able to produce. Your life can bear these qualities inside and then it comes out in a very natural way because it's who you are now. So let's look at these and consider how we can demonstrate 
how we can experience for ourselves and then express that to the world around us. I'll tell you what, this is a, a politically charged nation, right? We're very polarized. Everybody's got an opinion. You get on social media or you watch the news and you see, wow, we're just kind of tugging and pulling and, and fighting each other. What if, what if there were a group of people who displayed the attributes we're about to look at? It would absolutely revolutionize. It would just change the world. And that's how Jesus changed the world. And his first followers under severe persecution with no influence, with no power, no army, no elected officials, nothing. Just these attributes. They turned the world upside down. It's a very powerful, very beautiful thing. So let's look at these. And I'm going to stay with the kiss metaphor, okay? I'm kind of, I'm kind of, okay. All right, so the, the kiss of joy that the Holy Spirit gives us. Joy is when you brighten up a room, with just with your cheerful countenance and your attitude, and we've all got some of those people in our lives, right? You just like to see them walk in. There are other folks that walk in the room and think, oh, Lord, you know, and you just, you know, and you, you look the other way. There's some people just so cheerful and so naturally uh, affectionate and sweet. I'm just going to mention one, and I didn't ask permission to do this, but so I hope it's okay. I have visited several times with uh, Debbie Mackey's mom. Uh, her name's Mary Ellis, and she's in an assisted living place. And every time I go see her, she is just the sweetest thing, and she just brightens up her whole face. You know those people that not just their mouth, but the whole face smiles? She does that, and so I'd been to see her a couple of times, and then uh, there was some time that went by, and I went back to see her. And uh, one of the assistants, I was looking around to try to find her, and one of the assistants said, oh, she's here. And she said, sweetie, look up. Look who's here. And, and she looked up, and she saw me, and she went, oh, he came. you came to see me. I said, I came to see you, you know. And I leaned over, and I gave her a kiss. That's what we, you know, we're talking about, kissing. And, and she was just, oh, I'm just so happy you came. And I said, well, it is such a delight to see you again. So she held my hand. She looked up at me and said, now, who are you? <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't know who I am. But I thought, that's just her. She's just got the sweetest spirit. And I just, it just, now, not everybody's that much fun to go visit. So the kiss of joy, uh, joy is this. There's two di dictionary definitions. I should have printed these out, but I did. First, joy is this. The emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. It's keen pleasure or elation. It's that moment that moment of joy when you get good news or someone is, and you just, oh, it's that. It's just a, a lot of dopamine, okay? I mean, it's just this release of just joy. Now, happiness is a little different. You can contrast uh, that definition with this. That happiness is a state of well-being and contentment. So you can be happy, but then have these, these spikes, these moments of just joy. And that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit just saying, I just want to bring this joy uh, into your life. And we've all felt that at different moments. And you've got some really good news. Or maybe when one of your children were born and, and they handed you that, that little thing. And you just went, and your heart just soared. That's joy. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so when you experience that, 
It looks a lot like what Jesus was referring to in John 15, 11, when he said this to his disciples. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you. And then your joy would be complete. Do you see how that's connected to the Holy Spirit? How even your joy now is not even your old joy and your own flesh. And, you know, and maybe pre-Christ, pre-Jesus, before you were a Christian, you felt moments of joy and you felt moments of exhilaration or happiness. But there is something about being in Christ. There is something about Holy Spirit joy that is different and deep because that's Jesus. It's Jesus' joy in you being released. And he says, now it's your joy. And so it can be complete. It can be complete. And not only joy, but there is this, the kiss of peace, you know, in, in, this, in this bow. That's where your manners are welcoming and embracing and, and not hostile or angry or, you know, where you put people up, but you draw. There's something about you that draws people in, and that's peace. Others see you as a person whose harmony and your, your inner life just without conflict you just seem to be at peace and there's something about that you know when you're around peaceful people how you just start to feel ah, peaceful have you ever been around somebody that's agitated or nervous or anxious or just kind of angry and they just kind of set the tone and then everybody around them starts kind of feeling that well the fruit of the holy spirit is peace and this attribute speaks about this inner contentment and this serenity like joy, peace is a quality that Jesus specifically gave to his disciples. And I love when Jesus unwraps these gifts. And there's some things he didn't say, I'm giving you this. But there's a few things he said specifically, I want you to know, I'm giving this to you. He said this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Again, do you see how he wouldn't settle for your old flesh piece? Where an imitation, where you just mimic that or copy that, Jesus says, I'm going to give you the real deal. I'm going to give you real peace uh, that comes from the Holy Spirit. And this is huge. This is huge because I think peace is so difficult right now. It's just so difficult. And again, with social media just shouting all the time and shrieking, and we're headed into an election season which gets longer and longer. They last about four years now, and then we start all over. Uh, but we're living in this world where there's litigation and there's agitation and a culture where, where people are just constantly complaining and, and confronting one another. Um, we were on Jackson yesterday uh, going into, into the Emporium for a wedding reception, and, and oh, there was a, one of those golf carts. And you know how everybody's riding those scooters around now? I don't know. I haven't made it. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll come out with my public... I'll call a press conference and let you know what I think about them. I see why they're convenient, and some of you like riding those around, but there's like just bees buzzing everywhere, and I think I'm going to hit somebody. Okay, why do I get off on stuff? I've only got so much time here. Um, but this guy, the, one of the golf carts kind of just shuttling people around, you know, kind of pulled up, and this car comes right up behind him, and the guy just starts cursing and yelling and shaking his fist, and, and this guy is driving. He's, he's got people who are obviously not from Knoxville. You know, they're guests in our town. And, we're, and I just want to wave and go, we're not all like that. 
you know, we're not all mean and we're not all mad today about whatever it is this guy. And I thought, that's a little overreaction. You know, here's, here's the crime where he slows down and stops in the street. And here was this guy's reaction to that. I mean, he's just over the top, just over the top. So peace is hard. It's hard to experience an in, inner contentment and serenity. Now, only people in my generation will know this, but you know who had something kind of close to this? Does anybody remember Kung Fu? Do you remember, is it David Carradine? Do you remember? Okay, no, you don't even know. You just had to get on YouTube and watch. This guy is so peaceful. He's just so mellow, but he knows Kung Fu. So he could fight, and he could kick you and knock you out. He could just beat up everybody. It didn't matter. They got guns. They got bombs. He doesn't care. But he's, he always starts off like, I do not want to hurt you, you know, and I'm, I'm very peaceful. And I think, oh, here it comes. Oh, here it comes, you know. Okay, half of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but when you go back and watch, you're going to say, oh, okay, now that makes sense. Peace is not natural. The point I'm making, it comes from the Holy Spirit. When we're living in the Spirit and not what the Apostle Paul calls the flesh, when we're not in ourselves, you could just use, you could, every time you see flesh, you could just put the word self, self, myself. When we're not doing that, we're blessed with qualities we never thought would be possible in our life and our personality. You ever hear somebody who's mad and they say, well, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, well, my daddy was that way. I'm that, I've been that way my whole life. I think, well, you're being unnatural because you're not that person anymore. You're somebody new. You're somebody different. Then there's the kiss of patience. Oh, my goodness. You want this one? You know, Paul's word choice here is one that it literally means to be far away from anger. Patience is a virtue that evidently, even after you've gotten it, it can be lost. Well, I just lost my patience. I, and you can find it again. You know, well, I, I got, I got, I'm, I'm trying to be patient, you know. So sometimes in order not to lose patience, we need to lose our expectations. You need to lose that need, that thing in you, that thing in me, that need to be right. Well, I know I'm right about this. And I'm just kind of starting to lose my patience here, you know. And our, our need to be in control, to be in control of something, you know. And, and that's why and you start getting impatient because there's all these factors around you that you can't. And so you, we began to be impatient, whether it's a child getting in the car seat. Getting in the car seat is one thing. Getting that thing buckled because there's 20 buckles on it. You would think we're gonna, about to send these children into space, but I'm I'm for it. I'm not I'm not saying it's it's not a it's not a good thing. I'm just saying I I rode you know <laughs> sitting on the front seat of my, or in the floorboard or on the back package you know that shelf in the back of the car. None of you don't even know anything I'm talking about today. It's like I'm speaking another language, you know. But we didn't have seat belts or bicycle helmets or any of those kind of things. It's, a, it's amazing that I'm alive today to tell this story. Paul says, you know, to be patient is this gift of the Lord. When you've given up those other things, there's no motivation to be impatient. And there's two that I think go together, and they're really interesting and really beautiful. It's the kiss of kindness and, and the kiss of goodness. 
that go together. This is when we show just this natural sense of fairness. Where we're reaching in an, emph- in, in an emphatic way and, and into other people's lives. The Greek word for goodness is kind of an odd word. And I try not, because I'm fascinated by language, but I get that not everybody is. So I try not to say it too, you know, talk about those too much. Uh, but this one, it only occurs four times in the entire New Testament. And it's rarely, if ever, found outside of that in secular Greek. It's just an, a rare, unusual word. So why did Paul use this? Where did he get that word? Now, Paul was an intellectual. He's a smart, smart guy. Um, and he has a very rich vocabulary. And you see this through all of his writings. He just pulls words from the sports world or from economics or politics. or He's just brilliant at that and painting these pictures. Where we go, oh, I get it. I get it. He's such a great communicator. So this little nuance that Paul might have been going for is the idea of this fundamental quality of a person's goodness. Okay? Now, some people will break these gifts down, and you've probably seen this if you've ever done Bible study. I've actually done this, and I've repented of it, where they'll say, well, these three gifts are about God, and these three are about me, and these three are about yourself. Or, or, or no, the other scholars disagree and say, no, you turn them upside down. These were about God, and these were... I don't think any of that. Okay, I think those are all human inventions and categories that we created uh, because we just love organization, especially Americans, especially from the West. We just love to organize things. I don't think Paul, when he was writing, took the time to think, okay, I need to group these in groups of three, and I need to do them like this, and I need to make these lists. That was the furthest thing from his mind or from his reader's mind. This was a letter. This was a a letter that he he was writing, and he puts in, This word, this fundamental quality about a person, who they are. Now, the way I picture this is that kindness would be the function. It's like the arms and legs of goodness. Kindness is goodness in action. So you've got the quality, you know, you've got who, what you are is there's a goodness. But then out of that, It expresses itself with kindness. I hope that makes sense. A good person without kindness, it's just self-righteous. They're just religious. That's, That's all that is. A kind person without goodness, well, that's a fake, right? That's just a poser. That's uh, just going through the motion because it looks good. You know, we're talking about about kissing you see politicians kiss babies do you think they love those babies no that's fake that's they're just that's what i'm talking about that that's not real kindness now you you can't just be kind in your heart well i know i don't act like it but i am a kind person (laughs) it's like no that's kind of not the way it works uh in order to be kind you have to show that you have to show kindness And both of these, the goodness and the kindness that comes from the goodness, are from the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit in you, uh, reaching out to other people. Then he talks about the kiss, this gift, this fruit of faithfulness. That gesture that indicates that you you love 
and you commit yourself with no questions asked and that other people can depend on you. We had a beautiful wedding here yesterday. Uh, John and Ann Williams' daughter. And we, it was just a beautiful occasion. And I always listen in, uh, particularly because I'm oftentimes up here, I'm a part of weddings uh, so much that I pay attention to the vows. And some of you have written beautiful vows, uh, but you have to be careful because sometimes you'll promise things. I'm standing there going, mm, that ain't going <laughs> to, yeah, that's going to last until the honeymoon's over, you know. And I think, uh, we just, if you ever, you've done that, I, I vow that I will every day, I'm going to come up and I'm going to bring you breakfast in bed. And I, I thought, yeah, you think that today, but <laughs> in a couple of weeks, you're going to think, and, you know, here, I got you a piece of toast, and, and I got to go. Uh, so we got to be careful. This attribute, this fruit of faithfulness is this beautiful thing where you commit yourself, and the people know they can depend on you. You're going to come through. Like Abraham, who, according to Paul in his letter to the Romans, he said this. Uh, this is about Abraham. He said, hoping against hope. He believed. He did not weaken in faith. These are the people you know. They're going to be faithful. They're going to be steady. They're going to be consistent. They're going to be there. This is a virtue that blesses other people. To have a faithful friend. Isn't that one of the rarest things? I mean, everybody in this room has been betrayed by somebody, right? Maybe even in your, in your own home. This is a rare thing. And guess what? We can be that person. We can be the faithful person in someone else's life. So I love that attribute. There's another fruit. The, the fruit of gentleness. In which we empathize and we put ourselves in someone else's position. And then we treat them in the way that we would like to be treated. That's what gentleness is. I told Kevin this morning, we're going through these scriptures, and I said, you know, yeah, these scriptures will be kind of, I said, but all the ones about gentleness, I've pushed together because I think this is a quality. Uh, if the Holy Spirit today said, Dan, you can just pick one of these to be activated in your church just like this, and I'm just going to give everybody an extra dose of one of these, which one do you pick? I think my heart would lean toward this one, that we would be, gentle that our culture our society that as individuals we would be known for our gentleness gentleness is the absence of aggression or physical psychological emotional abuse gentleness is the absence of self-promotion gentleness is a soft word and an understanding heart i think this is what our culture needs and we've got it in us. Gentleness is the absence of judgment and slandering and gossip. Paul emphasizes this. Just a few verses later, he writes this. He says, my friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you caught somebody, gotcha. What do you do? He says, you who have received the spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. It's the same Greek word in this list. Same Greek word. Gentleness. Paul writes to Titus saying that Christians, here's what he says, 
should be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show courtesy to everyone. Same word, same Greek word. To the Ephesian church, he writes in Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, I beg you, Paul is begging, he's begging, lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Same Greek word. Gentleness reflects the character of Jesus. We cannot be truly Christ-like and not be gentle. Jesus said this, and this again, remember the, the, the illustration of the fruit and how it flows because that's what it is? In Matthew eleven twenty eight, he said, I am gentle. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls because you tap into that gentleness. Same Greek word. Same Greek word. Now, there's this, the, the kiss or the, the, the fruit of self-control where you offer restraint and self-discipline. And in so doing, you, you know, you, you, you are identified as a person who is dependable and who's trustworthy. Where you've mastered, you know, your emotions and your habits are not given to excess. And this is a person that doesn't need to always be right, doesn't always need to have the last word. This person knows how to control their tongue. This person uh, knows how to manage emotions, set boundaries, establish goals. This is the person that will never embarrass you. This is that person in your life. And then, you know, in Paul's list, he started with uh, love. Now, I took love and I put it at the end of the, end of the list. And, and here's why. Because I think all of these, all of these attributes, all of, all of this fruit... Uh, can be summed up with the word love. Now, I've got a variety here. I've got grapes and apples and lime and orange and pear and whatever we agreed to call that, uh, and a peach. And I could say accurately, this is a bowl of fruit. And everyone would agree, that's a bowl of fruit. Now, is this all the fruits that are out there? Some of you say, well, Dan, I don't see a banana. I don't see pineapple. I, there, there's some fruit that, that's missing. But this represents a bowl of fruit. Oftentimes, in fact, the way the Eastern mind works versus the way we in the West think, you know, we think if I make a list, then that's the list. Because I'm going to go to the grocery store and I've got my list. I'm going to buy everything on the list. I'm going to check that off. We think of a list as being comprehensive or complete. That's not so true in the way that you see lists in Scripture or even in the New Testament mind and other places. It, it means this is a bowl of fruit. And it's so hard to say that love itself is, is just summed up, you know, by the things we've talked about today. There, there's more. There's more. There's more. And love is all of this. Paul lists his first but I've left it for last. Because love is this kiss of the Holy Spirit that covers and includes all the affectionate gestures. Love is an all-encompassing virtue. And if we demonstrate all the other virtues, 
and add them up, you've got love. It equals love. To the extent that we can express the virtues of Christ in and through our own lives, our own personalities and actions. And when we do that, we are expressing the very essence of who Jesus is in me. We had a family guest to come once, and you know, in Knoxville, you take people to the mountains, and we took them up to the mountains, and we took them to Clingman's Dome, and we took them to Cade's Cove, and we, we did all of those things. We were riding in the car, and it was quiet for a minute, and she said, I just figured it out. And I said, what did you figure out? She said, the difference between you all, talking about our family, she said, you're happy. Is there just something different about your family? And the contrast was some of the other families in my larger family. And I said, well, do you know the difference? We all come from the same family. We all raised in West Tennessee. We all ate the same foods and went to the same places, wore the same kind of clothes. I mean, some of us actually wore each other's clothes as you got older. <laughs> the only difference, and I just let it sit. I said, the only difference only difference is Jesus we have Jesus in us he's in our church he's in our family that's the only thing and that's what creates this love within you that can be expressed the essence of Jesus is in you it's the fruit of the spirit So next Saturday is National Kissing Day. I don't know how you're going to celebrate. Get out your lip balm, your breath fresheners. <laughs> or better yet, as followers of Jesus, as we meet with friends and neighbors, let's be the people to unleash the love of Christ by living out His passion and his presence through the practice of these spiritual graces that's who we are let's don't contradict that let's take this one week and live out those fruit and let that let that be what people see in our lives watch what happens now, it could be that there's one of these that you feel like you maybe need to lean into a little more than the others. There may be one you think, I'm pretty good about this or about that, but this one, not so much. As we sing this last song together, you might want to come and say, Lord, would you make me gentle? Would you help me see that this is in me? show me how to release that through my life today it could be patience or kindness or goodness it could be any of these but it may be that the Holy Spirit would just gently affectionately speak into your life today and say this is the fruit that I want to bear through you this week let's stand and let's sing